Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Hello, my name is Louise Greenwood. I'm Director of Education and Training for Wessex LMCs and welcome to our podcast on um, yeah, Strange Times. I'm talking to Sheila Hobden today. Sheila, I wonder if you might say um, hello and just a little bit about yourself, please. Hi, um, Louise. Um, so, yes, Sheila Hobden. Um, I've been running some sessions for Wessex LMC on resilience and well-being, and that's um, based on the back of me actually not looking after myself very well and completely changing um, what I do in my life and uh, personal and professional life um, based on the learnings that I had um, about that that time when um, essentially I'd, I'd burnt out. And so my big passion now is helping people in healthcare look after themselves as much as they do their patients. Fabulous. Thank you. So I introduced this saying we're in strange times and obviously we're just a couple of weeks into the coronavirus. So COVID-19 is getting a hold um, and we're just feeling that things are ramping up now a little bit. We are just sort of an interest just to let you know when we're recording this because things are changing every day, aren't they? So we're now Monday the 23rd of March and possibly in a couple of days or in a couple of weeks we will be in a different place. But Really, I wanted to talk to you. Um, we obviously support practices, and I've been talking to some practice managers, and they've been saying, "How can I help my anxious staff? How can I support my staff?" And and I think we were talking a little bit um, earlier today about there's some there might be some techniques that we can all use um, that might help us. Um, and I expect you've had other people coming to you asking for things like this at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. It's 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 a really surreal time and nobody really knows what's going on and nobody really knows what's going to happen. And even if one day we think we know, the next day it's it's all changed. And I think one of the key things is is that we're we are all in this together. And one of the things that we can do to really support ourselves and our resilience is build strong relationships. So by that I mean trusting people that we work with talking about how we feel because actually we often find that the other person we're talking to feels very similar they might have different challenges they might have different situations but actually just talking to someone and and having a bit of a release really supports um, our resilience and that's what impacts our well-being and I suppose some it's easy to feel because we are on the front line um that actually we have to be more resilient and have to show them a better way of coping than anybody else. But we are still humans. We're still people and we still have our own health and the health of our family that is really concerning us. Exactly. And I was speaking with some practice managers recently, actually, and I was sharing with them the, the model of um, change and how we, we as humans experience change in terms of we get um, we have this kind of shock and then we ignore it a little bit and we can get into quite a, a deep place of frustration and they were feeling this sense that they kind of had to hold it all for themselves but actually talking to staff and saying I I feel exactly the same um, as you will probably be on different points in this change curve and also it is the same with when we look at the patients that we're serving on a human to human level, um, we're all humans at the end of the day, we're all in this together and we're doing the best that we can. And I think sometimes sharing that with people can sort of 
disarm any um, tension because there there isn't anything different that that you can do. There isn't anything that's going to make you stronger than than the the next person in terms of this changing scenario. So there will be some things that we can go on and talk about um, basic things, but ultimately on that face to face level, we it's about being human with each other. I think. Mm-hmm. And some of us who are. Um more like to be in control than others find it you know even worse don't we and I guess it's that sphere of influence thing try not to worry about what you can't possibly affect um yes yes so I talk so I do I've been doing a lot of work recently with and I've created this analogy with everything that I know about resilience and I've placed it all onto the parts of a car so when we talk about control I talk about the steering wheel and how that controls the wheels and if we're driving down the road and we see some sort of hazard coming towards us, we tend not to just drive straight on into it and think, well, there's nothing I can do. That's there. And there's nothing I can do about it. We do do choose to turn left or turn right. Now, that might turning left might put us in a ditch. Um, turning right might put us into the into the barrier. But we, there is always a choice. We might not actually like those choices, but we have got a choice. But the bit before that is the response time, because actually the there's between any stimulus and and response there is always space, and that space is for where we can choose how we want to respond to something. So it might be that the sooner we um, think about the options that we've got the sooner we're actually able to steer ourselves um out of the way and the the stronger message behind that is the more we focus on the things we can control the more control we feel we have so if we control on the fact that we could do we could steer in we we have got the option to do something different here and the more we think about that the better it is um so then you could apply that to things like I, I can control the things that I'm eating. I can control um, the, the the way that I um, respond to people. I can control the time that I go to bed. It might be a later time than we would ideally choose, but we are mm. still um, choosing that. And um, you, said that you had quite an interesting thing about fuel in the car. And I think it's, yes, it's so yes. easy to sort of um, all the things we probably know as intelligent people kind of go out of the window in times of stress don't they yeah so I talk about the fuel tank um if we if we're driving a petrol car we very rarely put diesel into it not intentionally anyway um and so if you think about come home from a really really long day and thinking I haven't got time to get anything proper to eat I'm just going to grab this piece um, of, of food which I know is really really unhealthy but if we were tired we, and we got to the petrol station and needed to fuel the car, we wouldn't just be saying, oh, I can't find the petrol, so I'm just going to put diesel in it because we know that the car won't operate on diesel. So we know our bodies won't operate on high sugar content, um, ref- you know, refined carbs, for example. And we put them into our body thinking we're doing it a favour because we're saving time. But actually, we're not going to be able to perform in the same way with um you know that and the other element of that is is if caffeine we often use caffeine to keep us awake but actually caffeine has a half-life of a quarter which essentially means if you drink a cup of coffee at midday there will still be a quarter of it left at midnight wow. so any any coffees that you're having after lunchtime essentially it's like having double espresso before you go to bed <laughs> and um a lot of people say oh it's fine it's fine I, I always go to sleep as soon as my head hits the pillow 
But usually those same people are waking up at three o'clock in the morning because it's not the instant effect. Yeah. So if we can move away from the caffeine and also, you know, alcohol. Alcohol. The aisles are stripped of um, beer and wine, aren't they? Um, but it's it's the same again. It, we feel like it helps us get to sleep, but actually it's a sedative. So it's knocking us out rather than getting us that restful sleep with the, the REM sleep that we really need to process everything that's gone on um, during the day. Uh, the other one's hydration. Is a, I have lost count of the number of times I've heard people say, um, I don't drink water because I haven't got time in between patients to go to the toilet. So I, so I, I, drink, I don't drink so that I don't have to go to the toilet. But actually a 2% drop in hydration leads to a 20% drop in productivity. So even if you're a slightest bit thirsty, you're probably not performing as effectively as you could be. And, you know, every efficient step counts at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some statistic, I don't know what it is, about productivity after lunch if you have actually walked around the block as mm. opposed to just sat at your desk. And I don't know what the statistics are, but it is huge. Um, yeah. And I've, um, I work with, um, I do work with a lot of GPs and practice managers and in coaching sessions, I'll sort of float this idea of um, taking some sort of lunch break, even if it is only five minutes. And I normally get scoffed at and um, there's, I haven't got the faintest chance of getting out of this office at lunchtime. And I managed to convince him to just try it just one time between the, the sessions that I'm talking to and 90% of the time, probably it almost go to 100, it will come back and say, actually, it made such a difference. It felt like a completely new day in the afternoon. I felt more organised. I felt more able to cope with people banging on my door and asking if, if I'd got five minutes when they can see I haven't got five minutes. Um, so that even if it is five minutes, mm. just exiting the building, it will just give your brain a bit of a reset. So kind of these times are the time to go back to basics. Is that really Absolutely. one of the main yeah. messages that we can encourage people to think about? And I think there's, there's, I think it's called the moniker effect. We know what to do, but we, we don't do it. So I, I, it's, it's not really anything new, me saying, you know, eat well, keep moving. But this is, this is our energy pillar. And it's, it's one of our foundations. I think that the, keeping the sleep, keeping the activity, keeping the healthy consumption. And you don't have to be a saint about it, um, but there'll be little things that you can do that you know what to do, but it's, it's mm -hmm. keeping those habits going that will really make a difference. Yeah. And as, as you said, sort of being honest and, you know, knowing, I guess, the sounding boards, the people that you can just really ring and say, do you know what, I feel, I just feel like I'm very anxious and, and just, not trying to withhold all that information and with all that anxiety is it better to just speak to somebody else about it absolutely I think the other thing is that when it's all in our head it feels very heavy it feels like there's so much in there but actually once we get it out and start talking to somebody else it starts to bring a sense of relief because we've got it off our chest and we have shared with someone when you hear that someone else is feeling in a similar way to you that makes it feel lighter as well and often when we talk about it we think about it so we end up coming up with ideas as to what how we could actually get around it and also it's often when we talk not as much as we thought it was once we've actually got some of those things out of our head and in the open one a really good thing to do is to write it all down because mm -hmm. 
we write it out and it doesn't look as much as it is. I mean, I'm by no means um, suggesting that everything that's going on is, is a small thing, but it is really, really helpful to get some of those thoughts out on paper, particularly at the end of the day or in early evening, so that your brain is you're giving it a chance to, to empty a bit all that worry okay. before you go to sleep. And when we're talking about the anxiety of it, we're not talking about we can't sort COVID-19, even though we'd love to. Um, so it's almost sort of my next shift is looking like this. How can I get through that shift possibly? Or I've got someone who's just come in today who said they're off sick tomorrow. How can I get it? Is, is, is it sort of taking off the small chunks, really? Yeah, exactly. When we break it down into small pieces. So if I go back to the car analogy, for example, it's really important for us to have a sense of purpose in a direction. So I talk about that as the map. And it's also important to have um, an engine to keep that car um, going. Now, with the engine, I I look at that as motivation and self-belief. Now, when you turn a car engine on, it doesn't give you that inner inner chatter, that back chat of saying, oh, you're no good enough. You can't cope. You can't do all of this. It turns on and it goes. So um, but that's really, really difficult right now because the map is changing by the minute. So it's really difficult to figure out your motivation because you don't really know where you're going and Mm -hmm. so as you said Louise breaking it down to small chunks what do I need to get done in this next hour what is my purpose for this next hour so if that is someone's come in or someone's rung in to say um, I'm not coming in today your purpose for that next however long it takes you to to organize what that you know, the implications of that, that's your purpose for the next hour and focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, that's where meditation and mindfulness come in because meditation is a process of focusing on one thing at one time. And and as you, the more you do it, the more you become accustomed to being able to focus on on, on one thing at one time. Um, So I think there is something to be said to, to breaking things down. And again, coming back to writing things down, if we've written it down, we can chunk it out and we can also work out, you know, how important each of those things are. When do each of those things need to be done and how essential are those things really? And going back and having those conversations, because, um, again, I was, I was talking um, to a client last week um, and, and saying, you know, what's what's the kind of the worst situation for you in terms of like prioritization? And she said, well, I would be sitting at my desk and the phone would be ringing and there'd be a queue of three people waiting to speak to me. And that would be, how do you choose which one to go to? And we kind of came up with a bit of a model around um, almost sort of sending people away and saying, um, right, just take 20, if you, try and look at that yourself. And if you can't come up with an answer in 20 minutes, come back to me. And that takes the responsibility off her shoulders for going back to somebody because they then need to own it. Nine times out of 10, they actually find their own solution in that 20 minutes. Um, and then the next, you know, that gets through the first person in the queue. The next person comes up and it's about asking, actually, how important is this? And when do you need it done by? Because then that can work out if it's me that needs to do it or if it's someone else that needs to do it or someone else could do it. And then you get the person come up to you, that person goes. So then you get the next person in the queue is asking you to do something really they can do themselves. So we're actually trying to make a bit of a, light-hearted of it so um are you telling me you can't use that photocopy you don't know how to use it um if you you know if, you, if there's things that are happening that you you just you've always done it because you're trying to be helpful trying to sort of um 
push those away. Um, and then and then that cue's gone. And then we can t- take our attention to the phone if that was what the choice was um, that was made. But it is about breaking that big overwhelm down into the smallest pieces. Okay. And these are um, obviously unprecedented times in a, in a lifetime. None of us we hope will ever have to go through this again. Um, but one of the things that I guess um, other generations haven't had to cope with, which we are coping with, is the amount of information and chatter on social media and Twitter and WhatsApp. I mean, there are bings going everywhere, aren't there? Every time you pick up your phone, you've got a number of messages. So can you give any, any sort of advice as to how to be resilient against the social media and information, which can be completely overwhelming, but also a little bit addictive at the same time? And you don't want to feel, yes, yeah. you don't, you know what I mean? I thought, well, did you hear Boris Johnson? I thought, oh, no, I didn't, I, I've, I've missed out on that and I need to catch up. And there's a little bit of um, fear of missing out, I guess, at the same time. Yes, yes. Um, so I think that social media has its uses, but it's it sometimes can be a hindrance as well. So I would suggest turning notifications off and then you choosing when you go to that social media. So, for example, you might say um, the only piece of information I'm going to watch is Boris's speech at five o'clock each day um, and then turn all of the notifications off. And then if you choose to go to that a a further point in time, but the the constant binging is is a distraction Mm. and generally in our you know our the times that we're in at the moment it's reducing our attention span because we're constantly getting distracted and the brain almost then thrives on it so what you'll find is that you'll turn your notifications off and after about five minutes you'll start panicking that you haven't had any notifications and you'll go back and you'll find just there's this addiction to it um but the more once the notifications are turned off and the more you start using your steering wheel and choosing where you're control, you know, control where you're going, you'll find that gradually you'll build yourself a bit more resilient and you'll get yourself a bit more space to be able to do a bit of work in before you then um, go and look at it. And gradually, you know, you'll go from five minutes to 10 minutes, 10 minutes to 15 without looking and you'll be surprised at how productive um, you then become. And I think there's another piece about boundaries so I talk about the car analogy and talk about the the dashed white lines so when we're driving down the road on a single carriageway we wouldn't ever cross that line onto the other side of the road into the path of oncoming traffic without doing a really proper check and making sure that it's safe to do that and it's about putting some boundaries of our own in so what are your white lines in the road where you know where what are your expectations for yourself and for other people and so agree some guidelines with yourself about what you're going to do about social media and what you're going to do about distractions and those distractions can be people um, as well as um, technology so it might be that there needs to be some agreement about the way that you're working with people at the moment and talking to people about um, at what point in time you're going to reply to emails for example for example and saying if you, if you need something desperately after a certain time in the evening, you must call me because I'm going to be turning my emails off. So it needs to be an emergency and agreeing some practices like that so that you can, you can actually protect some of your time. And because that's needed for your rest um, and recovery to make sure that you're good to go again the next day. 
Hmm. I think that's interesting. So we're just starting remote working as lots, lots of people are. And I've had seven conference calls, one on each hour this today. And I feel I've got nothing done in between. They've been really helpful. And I think our anxiety about not communicating has mean that we're over communicating. We're having all sorts of channels. <laughs> but I think probably to start with, as we start to remote work, much the better that it's that way around. And then we can find out what the, the happy medium is. Um, yeah. And we're all and we're all learning that. And I think people have got sort of obviously childcare issues now and with that with the schools working and there's and I have my cat who keeps shouting very loudly in every telephone. <laughs> do because he does not not like being left out um and we've all got our challenges but thank you so much Sheila that has been really helpful and to clarify um just a little bit of a pathway through for us as we go forward so thank you so much you're welcome thanks Louise Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice